First Realm, Season 1, Episode 3. I took Destina and Colton to my parents' lair. I whispered to my father to wake up. I saw one of his large, dark eyes open, and, as if expecting me, he rose from his slumber and followed us to the common area of the Celestine Cave. Destina and Colton stared at Jacobus with awe. They had never seen a centaur and could not have even fathomed their existence until now. Jacobus could only be described as majestic and grand. No creatures such as this exist on Earth. He had human energy about him, they could feel it, yet he had the obvious strength of at least a dozen horses apparent in just his stance. Colton remembered Astromus ripping the chains out of the cave walls and then breaking the metal bindings around his wrist in what seemed like no effort. This type of strength was superhuman. Jacobus towered above them, his muscular shoulders and human-like form melting into his athletic but seasoned horse-like body. His coat was shiny and matted and matched his hair color. His fur wasn't like the unicorn's fur, it was short and smooth like a racehorse. His thick, brown, wavy hair skimmed his shoulders and his eyes were large and dark. His face was broad and chiseled with thick but distinguished features. Destina and Colton didn't know it, but he would be considered naked without his hallum and quiver if he were out of the cave, but here in the cave, centaurs could roam about as they pleased, and no human would be any the wiser. He spoke to them, and to their amazement, he was also able to channel translations of their conversation just like Astromus did. They told him everything, and he stood in front of them, digesting all of it, his dark eyes focused on them for every word they spoke. He seemed like he rarely blinked just listened and absorbed. They wondered how this creature could be so intelligent. It was scary but adrenalizing at the same time. It was magical, despite the trauma and circumstances surrounding how they met. Jacobus addressed them. You must be tired from your trauma. I will go speak with Colossus to keep the gossip to a minimum, and I will call a council meeting for three clicks past the peak of the sundial after sunrise. Go, get some rest. Astromus? I trust you will care for our guests. Ison, I dressed my father with a typical affirmation of acknowledgement and took Colton and Destina to my lair. I am the oldest son, so I have the largest and most decorated lair. The Sanchians work to prepare their lair for a comfortable and spacious hibernation, as hibernation comes at the direction of the stars and there is no way to time it. I took particular care for my lair to make it welcoming with leaves strewn about to rest on, and floral decorations placed casually about. I even have logs on the walls that hold things such as food and items I've collected over time, and I carved vines and flowers into the walls for decoration. I have strewn elder wolf furs about the lair that were gifted to me from a pack after I guarded some of their young during the cat invasion three summer solstices ago. The elder furs are usually kept among the packs to watch over them and maintain the presence and protection of the elders they have lost. The elder fur is particularly nice because it is the thickest of the wolf furs and it has the most shades of charcoal, gray, and white in it. Centaurs are allowed to care for other living creatures without divine guidance as long as both sides agree, but there is no obligation to do so. I don't admit it, but I enjoy the company of the wolves, so I was glad to have been asked for my assistance. Your dad is hardcore, Colton looked at me. I looked at Colton, hoping that some sort of translation would come through to explain these words, but I heard nothing. These humans use such strange terminology. I shrugged and handed Colton and Destina some furs. Destina and Colton found spots for themselves in a corner, and it seemed like they fell asleep immediately. 
I can see what the fairy were talking about when they said that the humans can resemble Sanchunes, but they are definitely nothing like us. Their eyes are so strange, and they are frail and weak. I get the feeling that Earth is very different from this place. I awoke early to gather some food for Destina and Colton, hoping they would like berries. I planned to mash them up into a paste and spread the paste on the pickled bark I store in wooden bowls on the logs on my walls. They ate it, thanking me and swallowing hard. We should go to the council meeting, but we should probably get there early so we don't make a stir when we enter. That sounds like a good plan, Colton and Destina agreed. I brought them to the council, and my father let us wait in the back chambers while he addressed the meeting. The venue was packed, and chatter roared like continuous waves of thunder. The ceiling of the venue is very high, high enough for dragons to stand upright if needed, though I've never seen it come to that. The high ceilings, expertly crafted by the fairy, also allowed for the voices of the council to be heard throughout the entire venue. The stone ground was worn from so many solstices of use, and there were dirt ramps along the walls that led to various observation balconies. There is also one dirt ramp that leads down into the dungeon. There is only one entranceway into the venue, and it consists of three large round openings leading in from the stone courtyard. The only permanent fixtures in the large open forum are a five-part podium for the council elders, a witness podium, and various hangers spaced evenly around the walls for torches. I heard there was once a large reception held in the venue because the weather didn't permit a festival to be held outdoors, and the fairy used the torch hangers to hold up their garlands and decorations. They also wove large, colorful carpets made of silk for the guests and placed symmetrical flower arrangements on the council podiums, using the witness podium as a sturdy location for a berry wine fountain. Cloudron, standing on his podium, stomped his front hoof, demanding order in the venue, and my father addressed the council members and the crowd of centaurs. Cloudron, ignorant as the rest of the centaurs as to why the meeting was called, looked toward my father expectantly as he spoke, as he is the one who called the meeting. My fellow centaurs, I called this meeting to inform you at the soonest time possible that we have some information on the killings of the unicorns since the last blood moon. Centaurs in the crowd began whispering, but quickly stopped once my father started speaking again. At this time, we are aware of five unicorn deaths, three elders and two cornifowl. The sound of hooves gently shuffling along the floor and brief whispers filled the venue again. It's not normal for centaurs to gather and discuss cornifowl. My father began to speak once more. A human has crossed into our realm from Earth and is killing these unicorns for personal gain and corruption. The centaurs erupted with so much chatter that my father's voice could no longer be heard. Some were even laughing that a member of the council thought this was so important it warranted a meeting. I heard Cloudron's normally booming voice sound diminished over the commotion as he tried to enforce order. His nostrils flared and eyes opened wide. He leaped off his podium, landing four hooves on a wall, and thrust himself into a large group of centaurs gathered by the wall. That's enough! His voice now booming once again. The centaur chatter ceased. Cloudron calmly clopped back to his podium, and my father resumed speaking. The human's whereabouts are currently unknown. I propose we send Celestines out to find the human. Centaur chatter began again, and Cloudron sent a warning glance toward the culprits. My father continued, I also propose that we invite the Felicons to the council to offer our protection for their young. 
I address the council now. All in favor, please sound your vote. Three of the Celestine elders on the council, Horbrid, Nastily, and Versus, swiftly kicked their back hooves into the iron ballots hanging behind them, causing a loud but quick reverberation in the venue, with each ballot having its own distinct chime, creating a harmonious, diminishing reverb, awaiting the two additional chimes necessary for perfect harmony. My father raised his back left hoof and kicked his ballot. The iron rectangle featuring the crests of the Celestines he represents hung by strings of iron in a window carved into the wall behind his podium. The iron holding the ballot in place was flexible enough to allow the ballot to be cast, but tight enough to control the reverberation just long enough for the ballot to be heard distinctly and continue its chime with the others. Cloudron remained still. Deploying Celestines into an endeavor not directly guided by the stars requires approval from the council in its entirety. Last time there was an agreement among the council elders, there was a war. Cloudron took a shallow, annoyed breath. My Celestines will not be inconvenienced or put in danger, as you seem to think the situation entails, to save a few unicorns. Our priority is to train for the hatch, something that is of real and known danger to our Celestines. I do not see the danger to us of some ridiculous human. The human won't be able to survive in our realm for long and won't be of danger to any centaurs. His hooves remained on the ground of his podium, clearly indicating that he does not intend to kick his ballot. Perhaps we could consult the Felicons, my father politely suggested. Horbrid, Nastily, and Versus exchanged nods at each other and then looked toward Cloudron. Cloudron scoffed at my father's request. Oh yes, Quibbus, Cloudron smiled. If your precious unicorns are willing to trust you with their young, then I will deploy my Celestines at once. He waved his giant arms in the air, his palms facing up and his elbows bent as if inviting laughter from those around him and bellowed a rude scoff. Some of the Celestines in the crowd laughed along with him, and the venue filled with chatter once again. My father glanced at Versus, who is known among the centaurs to have the best relationship with the unicorn community, even though the extent of her relationship with them is kept somewhat hidden. Versus nodded seriously at my father in a manner showing him that she understood this unspoken request to engage the unicorn community, but also to keep her dealings with them quiet and behind the scenes. Horbrid and Nastily both subtly nodded in approval, exchanging nods with each other and with my father, who spoke. All in favor to invite the Felicons to the council, please cast your ballot. Four ballots resonated through the venue, and Cloudron casually lifted his hoof and kicked his ballot, creating a harmonious frequency for the stars to absorb as a unanimous decision by the centaurs to take action. When the sound softened, my father spoke again. And so it is. I will invite the elders of the three Felicons to the council, and we can discuss this with them. Council members, you will hear my call when the unicorns have arrived. Jacobus and the council members dismounted their podiums, and the venue began to clear out. Most centaurs returned to their caves to eat or meet up with their Celestines to train for the hatch, a daily practice in our realm. It took some time for the venue to clear out, but once it did, and the coast was clear, my father escorted us back to our Celestine's cave. What was so funny about the unicorns trusting their young to the centaurs? Destina asked innocently. And what's the hatch? I took a deep breath. The concepts weren't difficult for me to understand, but I wasn't sure how to explain it all to a human, especially since I know nothing about Earth or the second realm where they came from. I thought for a moment before answering her. Though, for the most part, 
Unicorns and centaurs coexist somewhat peacefully. There has been fighting in the past and a lot of bloodshed. Unicorns are strong, similar to us, but they live so differently than we do. They mate for love and their young wander free with the intent to enjoy their lives so they can grow and bring love and innocence to our lands. But in exchange for this freedom and joy, the stars offer them no guidance or protection. They play with fairy, and wolves bow down to them in respect. Whereas we mate based on celestial guidance, and most centaurs are annoyed by fairy and find them to be frivolous and silly. Wolves fear us, and cat try to attack us. Ultimately, centaurs can eat the meat of various creatures on a whim, and when these creatures see a centaur, they never know whether they are prey or are destined to assist us with a celestial matter. As for the hatch... Destina interrupted. So do you think the unicorns will allow the centaurs to guard their young until we find Gareth? I responded, I don't know. Destina and Gareth spent the night with me again, and I gathered some eggs for them as they didn't seem to be enjoying my pickled bark. My father warned us that he was about to sound his call for the council so that we could get to the back chambers without being seen. We had just made it to the chambers when we heard the call of his horn indicating the imminent council meeting open to all centaurs but this time they would be joined by unicorn elders from the three felicons. The council was already gathered at their podiums, with the exception of Versus, and a path marked and decorated with rocks and torches indicated a clear walkway to the podiums for the unicorn guests. The path was lined with older Sanjuns near hibernation age, including my cousin Heldefor, fully armed with thorn and shiv-filled hallums, bows and arrows already in hand, ready to intervene if necessary to protect and defend or lead an attack if the stars or the elders commanded. The slow-moving sound of hooves entering the venue echoed off the walls and ceiling as Versus escorted three white unicorns onto the well-lit path. Versus was so much bigger than the unicorns, as centaurs generally are, but she led them in with such noticeable grace and poise. That's just how she is. Her hallum in a star shape, tightly wrapped in the standard X shape with the addition of a straight line of leather across her chest and a decorative stone hanging in front of her sternum. Her ebony coat matched her shiny long mane and her large dark eyes remained focused on the matter at hand, but she never looked unapproachable. She reached her podium and nodded to the unicorns to remain where they were in front of the council elders. I wondered what she had said to them to get them to come here. Versus is the mother of seven centaurs and is a council elder representing the three Celestines in her region. She probably knew all too well the pressure of these unicorns to represent their felicons based on the importance of protecting the safety of their young as well as the future of their felicons. The three unicorns stood below the council podiums. They looked so small, just barely taller than I would be if I were standing there. All three had silver-colored horns, none of which were platinum, and they all seemed about the same age and stature, although I can't really say I know how to tell a unicorn's approximate age. Each represented a different one of the three felicons. Their coats were as white as snow, and their manes were sleek and luxurious. Two of them had gray hooves, and one had silver hooves. I'm not sure what that could mean. Their manes were arranged in all different styles, probably done by the fairy, and even from where I was standing, I could see their fluttery long eyelashes and colored eyes. The one with the silver hooves had light green eyes, and the other two had dark blue eyes. Cloudron smirked condescendingly and raised one eyebrow as he looked down on the unicorns. Versus nodded at my father and spoke first. Welcome, unicorns, to the Council of Celestines. 
We are glad that we are able to put aside our differences and meet today to address the horrific slaughtering of your loved ones. It is not normal for a centaur to use such feeling in conversation, but Versus seemed accustomed to the unicorn way of feeling and also seemed to reach them when she spoke. May I introduce the council? Facing the podiums, Versus' podium was to the far left. She introduced Horbrid, Cloudrin, my father, and Nastily, as each of them nodded when she said their names. The unicorns introduced themselves as Senali, Trapezu, and Yasafin. Senali, the unicorn with the silver hooves, took one step forward and began to speak. Council, we are here at your request, so we ask that you tell us what your intentions are with regard to the recent murders of the unicorns in our felicons. The council members, with the exception of Cloudron, who looked bored and annoyed, and Horbrid, who stared at the unicorns with a confused look on his face, looked at my father as not only is he a great leader, but he also has the most knowledge on recent events. He walked off his podium down toward the unicorns. They seemed startled, and their hooves nervously took small steps backwards. He calmly raised his hands by his shoulders, swung his tail, and knelt down in front of them on his back legs. They became calm and seemed ready to listen to what he had to say. Our dear guests, a human has entered into our realm and is killing your unicorns for corrupt pleasures. We would like to extend our assistance to you in guarding your young and sending out Celestines to hunt the human. The unicorns appeared physically taken aback. They moved their necks backwards in disgust, shaking their manes and whinnying. Senali spoke, Preposterous! You want to hunt a human in our realm, and you want our unicorns to be your reason? We see no need for this action, nor do we trust the centaurs with our cornifal. This is some kind of trick, and we resent whatever pretenses we were lured here under. The three of them turned in unison to leave. Wait! Versus called to them from her podium as she descended to join my father among them. She looked like a skilled warrior who speaks with peace in her words and has kind eyes, but could be ready to fight in battle at any moment. We don't know how much more harm this human can do, and we do not want any more unicorns to be killed and exploited. I assure you, our intentions are pure. Dear Versus, we appreciate your comments and believe you to be sincere. It is the rest of your kind that we do not trust. Trapezu's eyes gestured toward Cloudron, and all three unicorns started to walk away. Cloudron chose that moment to chime in. We could just take your young if we really wanted to. He sarcastically smiled at the unicorns. Senali, Trapezu, and Yasafin stopped mid-stride as if choreographed to perfect synchronicity, clearly triggered by his comment. In cadence, they turned their heads toward Cloudron. Senali spoke again. While that may be true... If you attempted such a thing, you will face the wrath of more creatures than would be comfortable for you. Sir, your body shows scars of past wars. Though you centaurs are tough, you are not immortal. Our best wishes to you and your offspring, Versus. Versus nodded her head in respect, and all centaur eyes watched the unicorns leave the venue. The Sanchun guards, as still and stoic as ever, maintaining their positions along the path. Destina and Colton looked at me, and I didn't have anything to say. Most centaurs were unfazed by the meeting. The council elders were more invested as they bear a heavy burden of decision-making without celestial guidance. 
It is very difficult to kill or harm a centaur, and we wouldn't feel threatened by a unicorn. We certainly don't feel threatened by humans. Very few creatures, some of which included dragons and other centaurs, have harmed us in the past, but generally centaurs have very little fear in this life. The hatch is pretty terrifying, though. Perhaps the hatch itself would be enough to eliminate the human? Versus and my father, with the seemingly sympathetic support of Horbrid and Nastily, appeared to be the only ones concerned about the situation. Though centaurs aren't known for empathy, I can somewhat understand Versus' position. She is a member of the Council, a body of the most esteemed centaur elders that specializes in decision-making during extreme circumstances. She has young Sanchus of her own. She has also been a friend of our Celestine for many solstices and fought alongside my father in the Dragon Wars, which included battles against Cloudron Celestines, who are some of the best warriors among the centaurs. She is always among the champions of the Hatch, and has kept her position in the Council based on her regular success there. I'm not sure what my father's interest in the issue is, other than knowing his own son was celestially guided to the humans, and he may possibly want to assist me. Colton, Destina, and I were awakened by the sound of Gordy's stick arrows in his quiver clanking in my lair as he skipped about, throwing himself on the wolf fur, rolling around in the leaves, playing with Destina's hair, and running circles around Colton. His back quiver only had two straps that he put his arms in to wear over his shoulders on his back, and his arrows were small and thin versions of full-sized arrows, but without real feathers in the fletching. I think my father used leaves. Depending on their preference, most centaurs keep their bows on their sides or in their quivers, whether on their hips or their backs, but Gordy's bow fits snugly in his log quiver, right alongside his stick arrows. Destina and Colton, looking alarmed at first, laughed at my little brother. It must have been such a sight for these humans to see a small Sanjun with so much energy sporting his sticks and making such a ruckus. I placed my hand on the top of his head and turned his body toward me. Gordy, do you want to know what the humans say to greet each other? I knew this would pique his attention. Gordy stopped immediately, wide-eyed, and nodded. Yes, I want to know! His little body was giving me all of its attention as he stood staring at me with his arms at his sides. They say, hey, what's up? Gordy's eyes got even bigger and his mouth formed a large open smile. He looked at Colton and before he could say anything, Colton held out his right hand and said, Hey Gordy, what's up? With excitement, Gordy replied, Hey, what's up? The sky! Gordy jumped into the air onto Colton's extended arm as he didn't know what to do with the outstretched hand, expecting Colton to catch him. Colton and Gordy both fell into a pile of leaves and wolf fur. Gordy laughed and then looked at me with concern. Is his arm broken? I couldn't help but laugh. No, Gordy. Humans have different structure than we do in their bodies. They can't catch you in midair with one arm. Gordy looked confused for a split second and then stood up and threw himself at my left arm. I caught the side of his ribs with my hand and held him suspended in midair as if he were flying. He laughed and pretended to shoot his sticks at Colton, making roaring sounds as if he were a dragon flying into battle. I put him down, and he started to skip away. The sky is up, Colton, and so are my celestial guides. His voice faded as he skipped further away into the labyrinth of the cave. Oh, your little brother, Destina looked amused as the knot of hair he made on the top of her head, secured with a stick arrow, was still perfectly in place. He looks exactly like your father. Destina exchanged nods with Colton and laughed. I responded, he does. I think he wants to be my father.